and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Still Curtain Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Jagai. Joining me, as always, is contributor for Still Curtain, Shane Kubis. We've got a lot to talk about here. So much has happened since the last time we've been on this show. Uh, just yesterday, the Steelers cut down their roster. They made their, their finishing touches uh, to their initial 53, and we've already seen a big change to that. But they made 17 yeah. roster moves in the final like hour and a half right before the deadline. Uh, so we're going to break down every position on the Steelers roster today. We're going to do a little dis- dissecting there. Uh, Shane and I will share our thoughts on each position. Uh, we're going to talk about the Desmond King signing that just happened this morning and what that means for the Steelers. Uh, the Kendrick Green, Kevin Dotson trades. Uh, so a lot to talk about today. Stay with us. And if you have any questions, we have the live chat open. Please pop them in the chat. We'd love to hear your Steelers roster questions. And so Shane, let's get into it with the trending Steelers news this week and the trending news just around the league. Let's start in general here. Uh, NFL roster cutdowns. What were your biggest takeaways from maybe some other teams before we get into the Steelers? Well, I think it's, it's the first thing I'd want to talk about is actually not a cut or a roster decision necessarily, mm-hmm. but a lack of one with the Jonathan Taylor situation. I right? knew where so, you were going with that. Yeah. Yes. So that situation stuff is something I was monitoring as, you know, in the AFC, if, if it would have been to the, uh, Dolphins, who is the, the main competitor for his services, if they were to trade for him or if they were to trade him from the Colts, that deal not getting done and him getting left on the pup list tells me that you assume the injury stuff is real, you hope, because if not, that's a serious you know situation that the NFL is going to have to look yeah, into. That, but that's a, that's a boo-boo there. Yeah, so I assume that that might be part of it. I also think the Colts were never super seriously interested in trading him, honestly. I think they gave him the opportunity to go look for a deal, like they said, just to basically appease him and say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. go go try, but we're not going to accept anything above you know, or below market value, what we think. And I think the whole problem with it is like we've we touched on it when the running backs were complaining before, and rightfully so, is Ursay and the Colts don't value him enough to pay him, but they do value him enough to not let him go for anything other than a really substantial package. And it kind of puts both sides in this tug mm-hmm. of war of like, okay, we don't want to pay you, but we still value a ton to the offense and to the team, but we don't really want to show you that appreciation. So it's just this really, it's a bad situation. I assume just for his own sake, he's going to play when he can because he wants to build up his value, all that stuff. But just a rough situation. And then as far as cuts, I just want to talk about the Patriots, which I don't know <laughs> at this point if they have a backup quarterback on the roster. I know that uh, Bailey Zappi did clear waivers, so he is a free agent, so they could go and, I guess, get him back if they wanted to. But I don't know what that situation's about. It's just yeah, a lot of weird stuff. There's a couple weird things throughout the league that I was you know a little surprised by. But. The Zappi one was weird because I'm yeah. like – if there is like a, a, a Mac Jones clone that can replicate what, what yeah, Jones much, does, yeah. it's Zappy. I mean, yeah, those guys are so year. similar. Yeah. And for them to to cut their backup quarterbacks and and leave kind of just empty right there, I'm like, I really don't understand what's going on. I honestly yeah. don't. And so that was an interesting decision. And then the Jonathan Taylor thing, it's like, these guys are asking, like, you're, you're calling about uh, Jalen Waddle. Like they're, they're not yeah, in the same stratosphere in terms of value thing. that they, yeah, that that's the thing is that there was a little naive, I think, of them to think that they could get a package like that for, yeah. for a running back who's got quite a bit of mileage uh, on him. Obviously, you know him from the yes. Wisconsin days there and did a lot of running the, the football. Load. And so uh, it's just, I mean, all the evidence points to running backs are best on their first contract. Right. And you just didn't think that they would have much leverage to begin with. I mean, I don't know if we'll see another trade deal like the one that we saw the 49ers just make for McCaffrey. Like McCaffrey is special as a receiver as well. 
Uh, but even then it's like injury history and just all the things associated with that and, and paying them on top of everything else. Uh, I just don't know if that's going to happen anymore. Even with a player as good as Jonathan Taylor, I don't know. I'm thinking the Colts, maybe they should have just went with the best offer. If you're going <laughs> to sit him for the first four weeks and disgruntle him even further. And so uh, just a kind of a debacle over there in Indianapolis. Uh, let's talk about the Steelers. They made a pair of trades yes. since Sunday, yeah. trading two offensive linemen who weren't going to play this year, barring multiple injuries. And so let's start with the Kevin Dotson trade. That one happened first on Sunday evening. Of course, the Steelers, they like to keep uh, us media members on our heels here. And <laughs> I can't enjoy a, a Sunday evening before the no. season with my family before something has to happen. So I yeah, yeah. uh, traded Kevin Dotson to the Rams uh, and for a pair of pick swaps. So yep. the Steelers got uh, LA's fourth this coming year in exchange for their fifth. They got the, the fifth round pick the following year in exchange for their sixth. This doesn't seem like a big deal, but I want to put this into perspective a little bit here, Shane, for, mm -hmm. for the people listening. I went back and looked at the, the 2023 draft listing, and there is a 77 gap spot between the start of the fourth round and the end of the fifth round. That's like two rounds, essentially difference. I mean, even more so than that, that you're looking at. If we think that the Rams are going to be a bad football team, and I think that we do, I mean, they're they're not super talented, and you think that the Steelers are going to be good, this is a great trade for the Steelers because you potentially move up like 50 to 70 spots in the draft. Like, this is a huge deal because you could have been looking at like pick 125, pick 130. Now you're looking at pick maybe like 105-ish. So you're, you're talking about something that big of a difference in the draft. Uh, that's a solid pick. That should be a good player for your football team. So I love that for a player who was not going to see the field unless Siamalo or Daniels went down. And then after that, Herbig would probably had to go down for him to, to be able to get there. He was going to be the new Kendrick Green, if you will, this year, the guy that just didn't get a hat on game day, but was still on the roster. So what do you make of that trade? Yeah, this makes a lot of sense for both teams. I think that Dawson is a capable guard. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's as good as I think we all hoped he'd be. But yeah. he's still a capable guard. He's a really good pass blocker overall. I think he can definitely help you know the Rams out from that perspective. And from the Steelers, again, you just you have the depth now. You don't need to keep this guy on the roster unless he's going to play. And if he's not going to get a hat, like you said in game days, which again very likely mm -hmm. might not have in certain situations at least, getting extra draft capital or, or higher draft capital, I guess we should say, because you're just doing the pick swaps. Yeah, it's worth it, right? I mean, you only spend a fifth round pick on the guy back in the day. Like you don't have to get crazy value to just, you know, offset it. And he played, you know, started a lot of games for this team as a fifth round pick. He got more than the value out of his contract. And now you get a little bit more. I think it makes a ton of sense, like I said, for both sides though, because the Rams are in a, in a rough spot. Um, so getting a guard who can play, and I think he will play for them uh, right away. I think he probably will get a starting job there sooner rather than later. It, it's, it makes a lot of sense for both teams. Yeah. And Dotson obviously was, he was that, uh, the fourth rounder from Louisiana Lafayette back in 2020. Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah. he started out, that's good. He started out his, uh, his career pretty strong. I thought, I yes. mean, we had yeah. hope for him we eventually did. though, you, you get to a point where you level out. I mean, he is a guy that turned 24 years old, I think during his rookie season, if mm -hmm. I recall. And so an older prospect to begin with, and even though he looks the part, like the, like massive barrel chested, strong anchoring ability type of guy, just a lot of mental lapses over these past couple mm -hmm. of years. And look, this isn't one of those hindsight things. I'm not going back on my thoughts on Dotson. Like, Oh, I right. love Dotson until the time he's traded. No, I, my opinion has not changed on Dotson. I thought that Dotson would be a guy that was buried on the depth chart this year because of the Herbig signing, especially because of the, the Siamalu signing. Yeah. And we knew that he wasn't going to see the field unless 
probably you're probably looking at multiple injuries occurring for him to get that spot back uh, with that starting unit. And so it, as long as that doesn't happen, Shane, I think this turns out to be great. If the Steelers yeah. somehow get decimated, then yes, there is a world where you could be saying, I wish I had Kevin Dotson right now right, because right. what you're going to have behind the backup to your backup is not going to be Kevin Dotson on most teams. So right, I right. do think that the Rams are getting a low level starting guard, which is how I viewed Dotson these past couple <sighs> mm-hmm. of years. Uh, but the Steelers, I, I will gladly take the draft capital, uh, even with the risk of if we do run into multiple injuries, you're hoping it doesn't happen. Steelers were the healthiest offensive line in the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. But if that does happen, I, I, I mean, you're taking a gamble is what you're doing here. But I think it's one that's worthwhile. You're moving up pretty significantly in the draft. I think it's going to ultimately be about 60 spots ish in the draft, which so, is yeah. a good chunk there. Uh, let's talk about the Kendrick green trade. One that was more surprising. Like we all called yeah. the dots and trade. We didn't yeah, know we, we expected happen. that to. Yeah. It, every, everybody in the media and their mother knew that that Dotson, there was a good chance. At least he was going to get traded. Uh, we were talking about that back at the NFL draft and we didn't know that it would come just an hour and a half before the deadline, but yeah. it is what it is. It's it, it happened. And, uh, the Kendrick green one, however, it's, I don't know if anybody knew that he had trade value left <laughs> and I gotta be honest. I don't, I, after seeing him get traded for this six rounder, I don't know if Houston watched film the same film on, on green that I was watching because this guy just can't anchor and, and you're in year three. Now third season off season in a football program, you have to show the ability to be to hold up on a consistent basis. And he's just a guy that's going to end up getting the quarterback killed. I just don't have any hope for him. But good luck to Green on on Houston. So I, I think for me, what first of all, like you said, Con getting anything for him is great, right? Like I don't, I didn't care if it was a conditional seventh, you know, whatever. He wasn't going to make the roster. Clearly, getting a sixth round pick next year for him, or really into, I guess, twenty twenty five. Twenty five. It's yep. it is again. It's it's good for them to be able to do that. Now, the only thing I'll say with with Green with the Texans is I think that if he's going to have a chance to carve out a backup role, it's going to be in a wide zone movement offense. One that mm-hmm. he can get on the move. He's blocking on the move. Most of the time they could help protect him inside as a center, you know, or a guard, whichever one, it really doesn't matter too much in that type of scheme. It's going to at least make him, you have the possibility of sticking around a little bit, right? Like I'm not going to say he's ever going to be a starter or anything like that. Like he was in his rookie season, but I think at the very least he could carve out a career as a backup in that type of scheme where he was never going to be a scheme fit for us. Realistically, the pick at the time, even though I liked the athleticism, I liked what I saw from him. It was a weird fit and it always kind of was, and it was going to be as long as Canada was here and we're running this type of offense. So, you know, I hope green can stick around for a long time. You know, obviously Mm -hmm. never want to see a guy loses, you know, loses career or anything, but this is probably his last chance and probably the best chance he's going to get realistically. Yeah. And going back to that draft, it still irks me, Shane, because I'm like, I liked Quinn Miners a lot. I know he was a yes. small school guy and completely unproven, He's but been very he was good sitting there around so far, three. Yeah. I mean, he was as, as strong as a bull. He was awesome at the senior bowl. And even looking at the two picks prior to that, like I was a huge Creed Humphrey supporter. Like yeah, I, I would have been, guy. I had him 23rd overall on my draft board. Yeah, I would have been was, content with Stewart taking him in the first round. And then they pass on him again and the, obviously went to the chiefs. And then miners is sitting there and you take kind of Kendrick green out of the blue. And it, I know that I've got an opposite opinion on a lot of people on this. There's a lot in the Steelers media who think the Steelers did him wrong by moving him from guard to center. Shane, I disagree with that. I think where they did him wrong was forever thinking he could move back to guard. They needed to leave him at center. And if he wasn't going to work at center, he wasn't going to work anywhere. I mean, you're talking about a guy that is, Six one and seven eights, 
300 pounds soaking wet. I mean, his size is in like the first percentile if you compare him to NFL guards. So having yeah. him go against defensive tackles head on, he just does not have the anchoring strength. It's what he showed these past couple of years. If he wasn't going to make it work at center, he wasn't going to make it work at all, unfortunately. Um, and I think what's important to remember here too, Shane, is this was not an Omar Khan pick or an Andy yeah. Weidel pick. This was a Kevin Colbert pick. And so uh, they they didn't have an attachment to this guy, but kudos to them for getting draft capital out of a guy that they weren't necessarily the ones making that call. And so uh, I'm glad that it wasn't them that busted on this pick because there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about this front office now with what they've done yeah. this past year. But I will say if you are someone who's saying the Steelers did him wrong, the only th- argument I'd hear for that is drafting him mm-hmm. at all in, given the scheme fit. That's If you yeah. want to say that, I, I agree with that, honestly. But other than that, like he yeah. was never going to be a guard. It just he just didn't have the size profile. It'd be different if he mm-hmm. was, you know, truly strong and like has showed anchor and showed power and like because there's always yep. exceptions to the rule, right? But there are for sure. He's, he just but isn't it, the exception to the rule. So. It would even be like Shane taking like like Tyler Linderbaum and trying to make him a guard when he is a right. center it's just only not, player. Like, yeah, it, it's and I know that Green played guard in, at Illinois, but it just wasn't going to work. Yeah, it's it's a tell, different. You yeah, could tell by the profile and and the lack of of like anchoring strength that he had that it just wasn't going to happen and it didn't so is what it is Steelers got a couple picks out of these two guys uh fans can be happy with that at least gives us something to look forward to and Shane I think that again we look at the front office when's the last time the Steelers have been forward thinking like they have over this past year like you you trade uh, you trade away players to get picks like this is the anti Kevin Colbert method where before it's like I'm trading a, a pick for Vance McDonald. I'm trading one for Nick Vanette and Avery Williamson. And I'm going out and getting these veteran players. I don't know if they're going to make a difference or not, but I'm going to get these guys for my mid round picks. Steelers are going the opposite direction now saying I'm confident in the team we have, but I'm also, I also want to set myself up for success in the future. And I love that mentality. Yeah, I think especially for a team that is going to only get more expensive because you have a lot of young offensive talent that's going to have to get Mm -hmm. paid eventually. You know, obviously Kenny is a long way away from getting paid, so that's going to be helpful. But at some point, I mean, the defense is already going to be expensive. It's it's going to get more expensive over time, I'm sure, especially if some of the guys are drafting hits. Like you have to be able to avoid the type of situation the Rams are in right now, where they had to draft. 15 rookies and keep most of them on the roster just to be able to fill the team, right? So be able to supplement your roster with guys who you take in the fourth, fifth, sixth round who, again, this team has shown in the past to be good at doing that even before this front office that we have now is in place, but they need the picks, right? You can't just keep, you know, throwing them away to whatever veteran that you want to add to the team, especially because now they're actually signing players in free agency so they don't have to go trade for players once the season is getting close. So Definitely glad to see that change so far. Yeah, I am all here for the proactive approach. That's always kind of been my mentality. It's like, don't sacrifice your future unless you are like going all in and you know for sure you've got a chance to win a Super Bowl. So I like being able to to to, to ditch Chase Claypool for an early pick that ends up being right. Joey Porter Jr. And I think it's going to benefit the Steelers in the end. And so obviously the, the picks that the Steelers got for Dotson and green are certainly not guaranteed to be better than those players. I mean, they spent higher draft capital originally on those guys, but you're getting something out of it. You can yes. move around in the draft a little bit if you need to. And so I just like having that option, the, leaving that option open to I'm, I'm okay with getting better in the future. I don't have to try to make everything about just here and just now. Let's talk about Desmond King here. Uh, the Steelers signed the veteran cornerback this morning from 
uh, formerly of the Houston Texans, played the last two years in Houston, was really good in his early days uh, on the Chargers. And But I think it's been a while since we saw like that Pro Bowl-ish, All-Pro caliber. Never made a Pro Bowl, but he did make an All-Pro uh, as a return man and cornerback in his second season. I thought his first two seasons were awesome. Uh, was still a solid football player after that. 2021 hit a slump, uh, according to Pro Football Reference, gave up like 725 yards and five touchdowns, uh, 92 point something passer rating. And so definitely hit a little bit of a slump. 2021 comes back with a pretty solid season last year. Uh, I see some people likening this to like, oh, this is the Steelers are getting Joe Hayden again, coming in at 28 years old, a guy with some ball production. And I would just caution against thinking that line of thinking there because first of all, Des King is going to have a very different role on the Steelers than what, Hay the, what Hayden did when he came along. And I think Hay Hayden was a much more established player by that point too. Like just interceptions galore, 101 passes defended by the time he came over. So uh, very different football players. They, they do have a similar like body type frame, the stockier build with some ball skills. Uh, but I think King's role is going to be that slot corner for the Steelers. They they wanted to have someone who could play not as well as Cameron Sutton, but in the same way where he's an inside mm -hmm. out player because King did play more snaps on the outside last year than in the slot. Yeah, now, I like him more as a slot player. I think he's going to play a pretty much entirely slot for us if we can get away with it. But him having the versatility to go a step outside if you need him to is definitely nice considering our, our outside corner depth is not great at the moment, even with seven guys mm -hmm. on the team. Uh, right now at corner, and we'll, we'll talk about the roster a little bit later with those guys, but this is one of those floor-raising, slight ceiling-raising moves for me. Like, I think the ceiling of the cornerback room gets a little bit bigger or higher just because this is an established player who has, you know, bounced back a little bit after, like you said, a rough 2021. There's expectations of what you can you know, get out of him even at 28 years old. So it, it just it settles the slot corner position mm -hmm. a lot because Sullivan – and Riley played well enough in the preseason to earn roster spots, but that doesn't mean a whole lot on a corner room where there's no other slot corners, right? <laughs> like it doesn't mean that they're great. Yeah. So King, I think, can come in and immediately take that slot role over and play a little bit outside if we need him to. And again, it just kind of creates a better numbers game with the corner room, right? Like it just creates more opportunities mm -hmm. for guys to play in the best spots for them. I think Riley will still have a role. I think Sullivan could still sort of have a role at times, but ideally King is going to be the primary slot player for them this year now. Yeah, and you talked about his versatility. My goodness, this guy, he can play outside in the slot. He's played free safety. Yes, I think he's he played safety snaps. Pretty, yeah. I, I, he's he's such a headsy player yeah. and, and so aware that I, I think that you can play him pretty much anywhere in the secondary and expect at least a baseline mm -hmm. level of play from him. Now, the thing that you, the downfall of a player like King is you're not getting a big, tall, long guy. You're getting you're getting more of the compact type player. Uh, and you're not getting a great athlete either. I mean, this guy ran a four, six coming into the NFL. We can probably assume that this long into his career, he's, he's not faster than he was. He probably no. lost a step. Maybe at this point, that's okay. If you're going to be good in the phases that he's, he's good at uh, right now. And so, but I do think, I mean, just looking at the roster con construction, Shane, it's very easy to pigeonhole him in that slot role for yeah. the Steelers. Pittsburgh has three guys that can play on the outside with uh, uh, Peterson and Levi Wallace and Joey Porter being that third guy who we would assume eventually take over uh, the sp starting spot on that defense. Uh, and I think that you look at the competition is just weak. I mean, there's really no other way to put it at, at slot cornerback with Shannon Sullivan and Elijah Riley, like Sullivan wasn't good in Minnesota. Riley is very much unproven. 
And not that either of the, those guys can't be good in Pittsburgh this year, but I think they were making sure their bases were covered. You're getting a veteran who's got loads of experience all around at cornerback, but also in the slot got 334 snaps there last year. Uh, and, and so I think that this is a safe, but unspectacular signing. Like I would be really surprised if he played like at this, some pro bowl level. Right. But I think that he's he, and more so like likening him to a player like Hayden. I think honestly, his skill set is closer to a player like Mike Hilton at this point where yes, you are, you can blitz, you can defend the run and you can do everything from the slot or outside. If he needs to something that Hilton really couldn't do, but I, I think he's just primarily going to be that slot cornerback for the Steelers. All right. Uh, we're going to move on to our first discussion topic here. If you have any questions for us, please drop them in the chat and we will try to get to those. I do have one chat that's okay. pretty, pretty funny. Um, for the first uh, part of this here, uh, trade for uh, trade for Aaron Donald, that'd be great. Uh, probably not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I think the Rams are yeah. happy to keep him for now. Um, second part here, pass. I don't really, we don't need uh, another running back that doesn't play special teams really. And Aunt Mac is already halfway there sometimes. So I don't think yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm comfortable with the Steelers running back yeah. room. I really yeah. am. And the Aaron Donald thing, I mean, it's, it is just one of those pipe dreams at this point. Yeah. I mean, we would love the, the pit, pit connection and everything mm -hmm. that way. But now in, in terms of like the Rams purposes, I think there's a lot of incentive. If you look at how bad their roster is to say, let's get as much draft capital as we can yeah. for the only guys that are worth anything on our team right now. Uh, but at the same time, those are the only guys that are worth anything on their team. So they probably want to stay uh, somewhat competitive if they can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think that's happened, unfortunately, for Steelers fans. All right. Let's dissect the 53-man roster on the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. We know their initial roster. There's only been mm. one move since, uh, and that move was signing Des King. And in place of that, the Steelers made one corresponding roster move. They got rid of their second punter. So that's where that second punter comes into play there. Yeah. Braden Mann will not be with the Steelers. I don't think anybody really expected him to be, uh, but right. that is official now that he is gone. So back to a square 53 right there on that roster. Uh, we're going to go position by position here. If you have any thoughts, please chime in on the chat. We'd love to hear mm -hmm. what you have to think about any of these guys. And share, Shane and I will share our thoughts as well. Shane, let's start right at the top here. We'll go kind of like the Madden order with the quarterback. So right. uh, three quarterbacks, not surprising in the slightest. You got Kenny Pickett, yeah. Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph in that order. Uh, those are your three guys, and I don't see that changing. Yeah, this one we don't have to spend too much time uh, with as far as dissecting it. We kind of knew this was going to be the case pretty much from the get-go, right? Like we didn't really have to worry yeah. about, you know, as much as, uh, you know, I appreciate Tanner Morgan sticking around the you know football for feels like 12 years. Uh, I didn't think he was going to take over that third spot for Mason. So um, honestly, I think the only thing interesting about this is like, mm -hmm. is at some point if Mitch comes in, if he has to and he's not good, like do they, does Mason eventually supplant him as the backup? Like I think that's a – Quite a question that's fair to ask, mm. but outside of that, we know what Kenny's going to be at this point. I think we, especially with the way the preseason went, he's going to be playing all the games as long as he's healthy. So there's really no concerns here for quarterback. Yeah, and there was never a shot that Tanner Morgan was was no. getting that job, <laughs> regardless of what you thought about Mason Rudolph. It's, I mean, if you think that Mason Rudolph doesn't have what it takes, you look watch Tanner Morgan a little bit yeah. during his, uh, his Steelers preseason and his time at Minnesota. Just did not have. A lot to work with. I don't mean to be too hard on the guy. He he's but, made it. Yeah, to he had an uphill climb. That's for sure. He, he had his work cut yeah. out for him, and and so we knew that it was going to be these three guys all along. And it, it does get interesting because 
there's a debate to be made. Like Trubisky was not spectacular this preseason. So no, didn't look you great. can, I, I will be fine with anybody that wants to make the case for Mason Rudolph there. It's just the money tells you otherwise it's going to be Trubisky as the backup. Rudolph is going to be the clipboard guy. Those are going to be your three. And yeah, it's, it's fun to say, Oh, maybe they can snatch a guy like Bailey Zappi or yeah. Will Greer was fun in the, in uh-huh. the preseason, yeah. but it's just not realistic. I think the Steelers yeah. are very comfortable with what they have there. I will say real quick before we move on to running back. I mm-hmm. this is just me personally. I think if we are in a situation where one of these two have to come in, so if there's a backup situation where Kenny goes down or whatever, yeah. if we're currently winning the game, I think that Mitch would be fine because he's not going to probably try to do anything because he's afraid to to do anything to screw it up. Mm-hmm. If we're losing, I would put Rudolph in. I'm just going to throw it out. I think that he would give us a better that. chance to I, win. I, 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 I just think that. he's more willing to try to do stuff that would lead to win. Yeah. I, that's just my thought with it at this point. But. Yeah, and it's, it's worth reminding everybody again, yeah. too, of the new rule change when it comes to quarterback yes. actives. You are allowed to have a third active quarterback now on game day that does not count against your, uh, your 45-man yeah. active roster. So one additional to that, which is nice, uh, because if you get in a pinch, you'd like to be able to play a quarterback instead of just somebody right. else out there or give yourself an option. At least like if your backup quarterback yeah. is really struggling, give yourself something else to go to. Uh, so that's a rule that could benefit the Steelers. Obviously we hope to never see it in play. So right. the picket is on the field for every snap in all 17 games. So right. that's, that's hopeful thinking there. Uh, running back position. Shane Steelers had three running backs, make the roster. They were the three that you and I predicted. Obviously mm-hmm. those three are Najee Harris, uh, Jalen Warren and Anthony McFarland makes the roster with no Benny Snell on the team this year. The Steelers went a different route, Shane. And this is the one that I still don't feel super confident. Like the Steelers are not going to go out and try to do something else here. Just because if you look at Tomlin's history, like that third running back has always had to be a, a guy who can play and contribute on special teams. And McFarland can't do that outside of some kick return ability, yeah. uh, which again, you use very sparingly today's NFL. Heck you can, fair catch the kick return the anywhere and get a, now. Get to yes. So yeah, it really is not that important. You can put a <laughs> lot of guys back there and it's not going to make a, a big difference. So I will be interested to see if there's movement on that front. I want McFarland to stay. And I've, I've been vocal about that before because I think there's a lot of value in a guy yes. that has home run speed. Like he does. You can crack off a 20, 30, 40 yard run and instantly get into field goal range for three points. I think there's value in that guy. He's a, he's going to be a guy that goes down on first contract, uh, first contact. We're just going to have to deal with that. But I do think that he offers something different than those other two guys do on the roster. Yeah. And again, I, I'm glad that he's currently on the active roster. I think that as much as this team has always had a third running back, that is the primary special team or one of them. I'd like it to be someone else in this situation, just because again, we didn't have that guy in camp. Now again, if someone pops open, which so far haven't claimed anybody off waivers or anything like that. But if they want to make that move at some point, then so be it. But again, I think there's value in having a player, you know, offensively. Like for example, I'd rather have McFarlane on the roster than Olszewski, for example, if I had to pick between those two. We didn't have to. We'll yeah. talk about receivers next, but because I know that McFarlane at least has potential to impact the offensive side of the ball more so than a guy like he would. So like I'd rather have that third running back position all things you know, kept the same, be somebody who can actually provide value offensively if possible. Yeah, and why not keep your running backs fresh? I mean, right. I, I don't think that you need, you don't need Najee to be a guy that runs the ball 300 plus times. You have, uh, Warren is more than capable, and I think yes. he's going to prove that again this year. He was incredibly efficient with his touches. But McFarlane is a guy that I'm like, 
I, I want him to get two to four carries a game. Like just put him out there and see what happens. If he gets stuffed in a couple of runs, so oh, wow. be it. That's going to happen yeah. with him. But if, if there's a crease there, he has the ability to, to take it to the house from any distance. And so I think that could add another element. Um, it's just very different. Like you, you can look back years, like the Gary Russell's and, yeah. and Najee Davenport's of the world. Tomlin loved those third running backs to be guys that can, those hard nosed guys like the Benny Snells who can contribute on special teams. And that is very different than what McFarland is. He is more of the, I'm just gonna be a splash player on offense and, and potentially get a, a home run threat there. Right. Uh, just another reminder, if you guys are joining us here in the live chat, please drop any questions or comments you might have in the chat for us. We'd love to be able to get to those for you. And we're going to plug away here. Uh, let's move on to the wide receiver position. Again, we're talking about the Steelers 53 man depth chart, their initial signings here, plus the one roster change they had yeah. uh, with Des King. We're at the wide receiver position now, Shane. And I predicted the Steelers would keep six receivers for the yeah. second straight year. I predicted that they would be these six guys. And I think that you had the same prediction. Am I correct? Uh, roughly. I said the gunner is the only one who I was, cons I was wondering if they might On keep the an extra guy yeah. somewhere else, but this, if there was going to be six, we knew it was going to be the six, right? Like that, that's kind of mm -hmm. what it's been all camp in terms of order of these guys playing. And obviously the last two guys in the roster, Boykin and Oshesky are going to be mostly, you know, special teamers plus maybe, because as we like to know, as we as we saw, he likes to put them in there for run game stuff, but might see the field mm -hmm. offensively for that. But other than that, those two are going to be the special teamers and those top four who we're going to really be talking about throughout the year. Yeah, and it almost makes me wonder too, because I know that you're suddenly pretty deep at the position. You've got Calvin Austin, had a great summer. Yeah. It makes me wonder if Oshevsky is a little bit of Calvin Austin insurance, if that guy were to go down again, where you can do all the jet sweep stuff. You can do kick and punt return. I mean, yeah. this guy was an all pro return man in the past, was awesome in New England. Not so good as a returner last year with the Steelers. Yeah. Uh, but he does offer a lot of versatility in terms of that. He can play in the slot, in the pinch, in a pinch if you need him to. Um, but a guy that's probably just going to just, again, special special teams chops, six receiver. Uh, the Steelers, uh, you can look. There's not really a set trend there. I mean, a couple of years back when they had like Juju James Washington, there was only five receivers yeah. on the roster. And so people had the right to question whether or not they were going to cut back this year being uh, a little bit deeper at the position than they have been before. Maybe they just decided to keep uh, the six receiver there. And we'll see. I don't think that he is going to be a guy with his roster spot is safe throughout the entirety of the season. It's going to depend on his performance, I think. Yeah, I would say so as well. All right, let's move on to tight end here. Uh, the biggest surprise mover, one of the, at least, would you call it the biggest chain of the roster cuts? I mean, of the cuts, I think so, just because, again, he's the most established player with the Steelers specifically that was let go. Um, for At this point, I think so, yeah. So we have uh, Zach Gentry is no more. Pat, wave goodbye to him. Kind of an emotional thing there those yeah. those guys were besties and uh they they obviously did the grilling and chilling show with each other but the Steelers are rolling with just three tight ends slash call whatever James Connor or excuse me uh Connor Hayward you want don't know why I didn't got James Connor on the mind <laughs> that's, here. that's right uh Pat Pat Fryermuth is going to be their starting tight end their F there uh apparently they're comfortable enough with Darnell Washington to step right into that role as a rookie as the Y tight end and then Connor Hayward's going to be that fullback, H-back, running back, slot receiver. Wherever you want to put the guy, he's going to he's going to perform. I would expect at a pretty high level. Just a very smart, uh, uh, savvy football player there. So just rolling with three. 
Yeah, and I think if they were going to only keep three, this was going to be the three, right? And I think it says a lot about Washington and his ability mm-hmm. to step in right away and be the tight end too. And we talked about it earlier in the summer that I think Gentry's role is going to be determined whether it's either not on the roster at all like it isn't right now or yeah. whether he's an inactive on game. It's going to be based on whether Washington's ready to go. And I think he showed in the preseason and, and in camp that he is ready to go. And unfortunately, that just means that Gentry wasn't quite needed, unfortunately. And I, I think there's a chance that he could, we could see him again at some point this year, whether it's because of just shaking up the roster or whatever. But it, it, in general, this isn't that surprising to me overall, though, because Washington was great and Hayward can fill that third tight end slash full, like whatever, again, whatever mm-hmm. position you want to play him at, running back, you know, whatever. Like, and I think that, that also having him as part of why I think that McFarland is the third back right now and there hasn't been a ton of effort to replace him because Hayward is that kind of special teams running back technically at this point. Yeah. And don't be too hard on the media. I mean, everybody had the right to put Gentry on the roster because oh, yeah. look at it this way that the Steelers did not bring Derek Watt back this season. Mm-hmm. There was, a, there was an open spot open on offense. And especially if you want to say, yeah, we're going to, we're going to label Hayward as that fullbackish type guy. Right. Well, then you still have room for three true tight ends if that's how you want to do it. And so, Regardless, between the fullback and tight end position, there were four guys last year. There's only three guys this year. So it was it was safe to assume uh, that Gentry could have played. And even I had him in my final roster prediction. What I thought would happen, Shane, is I, I didn't know. I mean, Washington flashes for sure, but he's also got a lot to work on still. And so I yeah. wondered if the Steelers were going to keep Gentry around have him be that kind of the starting Y tight end, which that number t- two tight end with Firemuth in 12 personnel, 22 personnel, that kind of extra offensive tackle. You have him this the inline blocker. And I thought he would do that for maybe five or six games before Washington really took that role right. over. And at that point I thought, yes, Gentry could be released and they wouldn't think twice about it, but uh, releasing him at the beginning of the season before the season even takes place is a little bit surprising to me because you are entrusting Washington with a pretty big role there. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're just going to take their lumps with him. And I'm fine with that too. Washington is clearly the more talented player yeah. of the two. And I think the upside is huge there to be that Mercedes Lewis type inline blocker for the Steelers. So that's what we're hoping for. And those are your three. Again, if you are joining us here in the live chat, make sure you drop your yeah. questions. We do have us. a quick uh, question here. Now, this is one that I think asking, if you were to ask Washington this in the future, is might be physically possible. Uh, Gentry would never be attacked. Yeah, the, the ship has yeah. sailed on, on Gentry. And, and though Gentry had the size and length to do it, I mean, you have yeah. to make that transition so early. early. Yeah, you got to pack career. on weight and so everything else. Yeah. It, it's a worthwhile discussion topic when you talk about a player who was as dominant of a blocker as, as Washington was in college, yes. because this guy has some amazing strength for being six, seven, two seventy. It's not, it's not an impossible thought. I mean, he's not that different from a physique standpoint is like a Lane Johnson coming into the NFL. And so there's a discussion to be made. Yeah. Are you, if you're willing to do a, maybe a three year, two year, two or three year transition and say, we're going to add bulk to you. You're not going to be ready to do it until a couple of years down the line, but we think that you could be a pro bowl tackle. Then there's a discussion to be made there that that's more valuable than having that number two tight end. And so right. sure there, there's, there's a discussion there, not with Gentry anymore at this point, now that uh, he's been released. And now that I, uh, he's just this at this stage of his career, he's, he's basically is what he is type of guy yeah. at this point. All right, Shane, let's move on to the offensive line. Speaking and of the players that, that made it here for us, obviously, uh, if you've got the starting five from left to right with Dan Moore, Isaac Siamalu, Mason Cole, James Daniels, 
and Chikuma core for Broderick Jones is going to be your backup offensive tackle uh, with uh, Nate Herbig as your probably your swing interior offensive lineman. The Steelers decide to keep rookie Spencer Anderson, which is great. And they also kept Dylan cook, who is kind yes. of the, the biggest underdog. I would say on the roster here came on strong these last couple of weeks. And so they give themselves a little bit more versatility uh, and one more depth piece on the offensive line there. And maybe that's part of what made uh, some of these trades possible. Doesn't exactly play that position, but just to have the added depth on the line and a guy that they, they really liked a lot this summer in Cook. Yeah, I think Cook making the roster is well-deserved, first of all, but also important because, again, you have two tackles who haven't been exactly great so far in their careers, especially uh, Corfor mm-hmm. lately has not been very good, and you hope more can still develop. But two guys who are not exactly high-level starters, you have a rookie who, yeah, we have a lot of high expectations for, but if he has to come in, how good is he going to be? So having a fourth tackle who played really well in camp and, and earned a spot is really important. Guy was a former quarterback, good athlete. Like I, I like the story. I like the fit with the Steelers for sure. I think that he could carve out a long-term backup role with us, hopefully. And then the rest of the guys, not that surprising. So when you trade away Dotson and Green, you, you, we f- felt that they were going to keep nine guys total. It's just going to be which nine. And Anderson making the roster makes a lot of sense because again, he's you know seventh round pick, low contract, can play a lot of spots. You know, even tackle in a pinch. I think, I guess, but like mm-hmm. I still view him as an interior player. But generally, good depth across the the backup offensive line than that. Yeah, and if you were someone out there that predicted these nine players correctly, then. Kudos to you because it, and in the way that it happened, like I don't think anybody yeah. would have said, yeah, Steelers are trading two of these guys yeah, right. and then Dylan Cook's going to stay. And so definitely a little bit different than I pro- uh, projected the bottom of the roster to turn out. I didn't have Kendrick Green making the roster. I did have Dotson making the roster, but I also said He's many times leading up to that moves. point, I'm like, yeah. there's a very good chance that the team could look to move him. And they ultimately decided to do that. Uh, but yeah, good for, for Dylan cook making that squad. And this is a, it's a deeper unit than it has been in the past. Like if you look at this, this group last year had an injury occurred last year, they could have been in trouble pretty quickly this year. Now it's like, yes, you're going to have a, you're going to have a drop off anytime you, you go from a starter to a backup. But I mean, there's an argument to be made like at tackle, maybe, maybe a couple weeks into the season. Broderick is already the best of the three. I mean, he's that talented Mm -hmm. that you can see the guy like go back and watch his, his all 22 film during the preseason. I mean, the footwork is so sloppy at times. Like this guy's like crossing his legs and then somehow he just like jets over and gets back in front of the, the edge rusher and recovers. I'm like, how did you just do that? Like if yeah. he can clean up his technique, like the sky's the limit for him. So I'll be interested to see uh, when he finally gets on the field there. Yeah. I think overall, just like you said, the, the depth, as we talked about for a second, I think any one of these guys that are starters could get hurt and whoever comes yep. in for them is at least going to be a similar caliber player overall, right? Mm-hmm. Like now granted, like the interior is a little bit different because if it's cool, like you can shift things around and probably get some, something out there that resembles that. But the two starting guards are obviously significantly better than Herb than Herbig is, but mm-hmm. Herbig is still a quality player who has started games in the league. Like this is not a guy who's terrible by any means. This reason why he's on the team and why they gave him a decent contract as a backup. Yeah. So for the first time in a long time, it feels like, I'm not super concerned about where the offensive line currently stands. So. Yeah. And if you look across the board here real quick, like if something were to happen to Dan Moore, Broderick steps in right. and that that's your line. If something happens to a core for it, right tackle, 
that at that point, I think Dan Moore goes to right. Broderick steps in. Most likely, something yeah. happens at either guard spot. You've got Nate Herbig stepping in. The most interesting one will be if something happens to Mason Cole at center. Is it Herbig? Like, is Herbig the guy? Are they still <laughs> looking for somebody? Yeah. Do you shuffle at all? Like, I mean, James Daniels was a center in college, but I don't know if you're going yeah. back to him at that point. I think the question becomes. Do you like Herbig at guard and Daniels at center more than you like Herbig at center? I do like guard? that that pairing. Yeah. I just it's been a while yeah. since Daniels. Has that, done that's it. the problem. Is I think that like if if you think that Daniels is is so much better at guard than he is at center at this point, it would make more sense to have the weak link be center and have the strong player be a guard still, because then you mm-hmm. can you can protect Herbig as a center against speed and things like that. You can do things to help him because. He's not a natural center. He can play it, obviously. That's one of the reasons he was yeah. signed. But he's a bigger guy. Like he's not really that movement center, which granted with our scheme isn't super important anyway, but it, it's something that you can protect against a little bit better. And then you keep Daniels at the position that he's been excelling at now for several years in the NFL. So Yeah. And if you if you uh I'm hoping that Herbert can be like that BJ Finney type guy. That exactly. The yeah, like wherever you need to like go, where, yep. go go do Pl- it. Yeah. Plug him in and he's gonna be at least a serviceable to quality player in that role. And right. I'm excited for uh, Spencer Anderson too. I, I think this is a guy that's a little bit, I mean, very much unknown by a, a lot of people just like coming into the draft because he, uh, he just was unranked, uh, yeah. but he's an athlete. He's versatile. He showed he can play like four or five positions <laughs> on the offensive line where I oh. want him to, to focus on it, where I want the team to focus him in at would, would be at center ideally yeah. because yeah, based on sure. his build, his frame, his, his lack of length, which is is concerning as a tackle. He can get away with it as a guard, but I think he projects best as a center in the NFL. So if he can kind of maybe slowly start transitioning, yeah, you're a guard and moving to center now, uh, I think that would be best for his future career path, but we'll see where that leads him. All right, Shane, let's go to the de- defensive side of the football, and we're going to talk about the interior defensive linemen here, the ones that made the squad for the Steelers, we knew four of these guys for sure were roster locks. Those being Cameron Hayward, Larry Ogunjobi, uh, DeMarvin Leal, and Keanu Benton. There was those guys were never in question uh, based on contracts, talents, uh, draft picks. Yeah, uh, and then the guys that we have making the team after that are Montrevious Adams, Isaiah Loudermilk, and Armon Watts. In our last show, Shane, I kind of went back and forth. I'm like, I was not convinced at all that Loudermilk and Watts could make the team together because they play such a similar role. And it looks like the Steelers were content, just kind of devoting that extra spot there, a little bit of resources. And it's Braden Fahoku who is the odd man out. Yeah. And I think that realistically it makes sense because you would have had three, even though Benton's not really a nose and you could argue Adams isn't really either, but yeah, they were listed. All three of those guys, including Fahoku were listed at nose. Yeah, you, you, you realistically, do you need three nose tackles? I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think Fahoko is going to play very much, if at all, honestly. And, and mm-hmm. even though he's the only true like run stopper, Benton's done a real good job in the preseason as a run stopper. I don't think yeah, he's he going to be a liability, at least. Even as much as I thought he might be starting off, just because again, I do think he's really more developed as a pass rusher than a run mm-hmm. stopper at this point. But he showed enough to me for for me to feel comfortable putting him out there. And you know, Adams is technically the starter right now. We'll see how long that lasts for. But I think the rest of the guys, like if you're not going to keep Fahoko, this is who you keep, right? Like I think that's who's going to make the roster and who did for that reason. And I, as much as, again, like Loudermilk hasn't truly developed that much, Watts is just kind of a pretty basic backup, like three tech, five tech type. 
Mm-hmm. All these guys are good enough to make the roster. Like I'm not going to sit here and complain about these guys making the roster. So overall, this is a pretty strong defensive line, especially at the top. We know that, but overall, I'm not super concerned about any of these guys. You know, if they have to come in and play at this point. Yeah, I was pleased with this group. Fahoku was the guy that I wanted gone. I just he just offers no pass rush chops chops at all. I think it's all run defense, and even the run defense wasn't spectacular. Right. And it would so, have to be better than it was. Just a, and has yeah, been. a very limited one down player, really. And so he he was the one that I would have cut from this group. If they had to cut another, I mean, it, it's it's hard because Watts had a, a strong summer. I think that I think that you could argue that like Adams is just unspectacular, but at the same time, for the reason you already said, he they they label him as that nose tackle type, even though I don't think that's probably his best role anyway. But that's probably where he's been no. playing for the Steelers. So we knew that they were going to keep at least two of those guys there. So not surprising to see the the defensive line turn out the way that it did for the Steelers, and I, that's the group that I would have gone with too. So I'm pleased with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to the edge defenders here, the outside linebackers, if you will, for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Shane, something that always irks me is the Steelers put out their initial depth chart. I talk about this too much. I know that I do. And people get annoyed with me, but in their initial depth chart, they just have linebackers just listed as a spectrum, just linebackers. I'm like, what TJ Watt does is going to be very, very different than what Cole Holcomb does or Quan Alexander does this year. So they are distinctly different positions. And so I like the new classification uh, of edge defenders uh, in the NFL. You can call them outside linebackers. Just know that these guys are, I mean, for the most part, you're looking at hand in the dirt four guys on the, uh, on the defensive line type of rush, the passer type. So yeah. anyway, I, I give you my little spiel. I do that too often, but uh, our, our edge players making the team, we knew that it's going to be four. This yep. is a trend that the Steelers never break. Uh, and we knew who those four were going to be. That was pretty mm-hmm. straightforward from the get go here. TJ Watt, uh, Alex Highsmith, uh, Nick Herbig and Marcus Golden. And you can, I mean, the order that I say these doesn't really matter. You it, Golden's going to be probably that guy, that third guy to begin with, but I think it will be Nick Herbig. Eventually Herbig was awesome this summer. He gets my defensive game ball for the Steelers. Uh, that's the group, right? No, no questions ever there. No, that was never going to be a question. And it's more to your point about the linebackers. And uh, like, I think that ideally, you, they would have it set up as edge defenders and linebackers on the on the depth mm-hmm. chart of the roster just because we all know that, right? Like, And this is something that I don't want to even remotely get into a spiel about this particular topic because <laughs> I could spend an hour doing it. But Madden does the same thing where they just have outside linebackers. That's so and annoying. Linebackers. Yes. And, like, the teams don't know what is what. You have outside linebackers playing edge edge player like as edge players whenever they're, mm-hmm. like, 220 pounds. Like, the, the, that's a yeah. whole other problem. But <laughs> basically, I would love it to be, like, either – one of two things, either three, four edge and four, three edge, even though again, base mm. is nickel at this point. That's so better at like, least. Yes. Or stand up edge and, you know, hand in dirt type of like one of the two. Cause like generally you're going to get more of the stand up edges be the outside linebackers, obviously. Yeah. Although that even varies too. I know TJ's on, has his hand in dirt a lot, but it's, it is what it is. But yeah, these, these four guys, right? Like we know this is going to be the four TJ and, and Alex are going to play most of the snaps we expect and hopefully a little bit less than they've had to play recently. Um, keep pressure, but like you said, Herbig is eventually going to be the first guy off the bench whenever they need a pass rusher. Golden is still a good player. He's still probably going to be the the guy that gets the most snaps to start the season just because he also, I think, is more stout against the run, even though if Herbig's maybe a little bit more of a playmaker against the run, I would say. So it's going to kind of trade off there. But as we saw throughout the training camp and through the preseason games, Herbig is going to be that guy sooner rather than later. Yeah, and and 
uh, looking like ahead to the future, like obviously the focus is all on this year, but I think that Golden's very much going to be probably the one and done type of guy for this. Yeah, you, especially you, you expect. Yeah. If Herbig turns out, this Pittsburgh typically needs that fourth edge. If he drops down to fourth edge, you need that guy to be able to contribute on special teams. And that's just, bit, not, yeah. I, I don't think that that Golden's going to do. Uh, so we will see what happens there. I'm excited for Herbig. I mean, it's how could you not be after what he showed? It's it was just the preseason. I don't want to get too worked up about that. Yeah. But the guy was spectacular. I mean, he was yeah. all over. And just it's it's not just the statistical production. Like I, I could care less about that when you just watch his him film. Play. Was something yes, else. The, the film <laughs> was remarkable. I mean, yeah. earned just like a ninety point six PFF grade throughout the entirety of the preseason. He's just he just looked good. And so I'm very optimistic, at least, that not only is he going to stick there, he could be a pretty good player down the line that that really carves out a, a big role for them. All right, let's move on to linebackers here. This was a big discussion topic throughout the offseason really i mean dating back to the time that uh con decided to wipe the slate clean and mm -hmm. i don't blame him at all for doing that props to him because it needed to be done i mean miles jack devin bush robert spillane we're not getting the job done and so we can't guarantee that this group of holcomb and Quan and elena roberts is going to be better than what they had before but there's probably a pretty good chance that it is based on just the aggressiveness we've seen from these guys. So again, that group is going to be Cole Holcomb's the guy that got the money uh, this off season, Alana Roberts, second highest paid in, in that positional group going to be starting alongside him as that buck linebacker. Uh, Quan Alexander comes in on a cheap deal, but should have a pretty big role on Steelers defense. The Steelers kept Mark Robinson for the second straight year, former seventh rounder. And that's it. And this is where the surprise comes in Shane, because the Steelers, they chose to break another trend here at this positional group because I went back and look at their depth chart history at our lads. It's been since 2017 was the last time they kept only four yeah. of the off ball linebackers off -ball, on their yeah. roster. Yes. Th those type of guys. And so uh, it, you're going back a ways now. And if you recall back in 2017, they were pretty solid up front with Ryan Shazier and Vince Williams. So they didn't yeah. necessarily need to keep a the bunch depth, of extra depth yeah. there. Uh, we don't know exactly what we're getting from these guys here. The Steelers did spend some resources, but I am a little bit surprised to see both Tanner Muse and Nick Kwiatkowski gone from this team. I thought that one of the two would be kept for as that basically the Matacavage guy, your, your special teams guy who carves out like two to 300 special team snaps. And right now they don't have that guy. So are they bringing in another? Are they content with what they have just for the position? And are you going to make up the difference somewhere else? Because also not only that Shane, but you don't have the Benny Snell guy either that could take up those that those added special team snaps as a guy with that type of physique in that role. It's going to be really interesting to see if they make any more moves, specifically a linebacker. And I think if you do, where you'll see a corresponding move is corner, which we'll be talking about here in a little bit. Um, I would think so. I, I, you assume so, but we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But I do think it's interesting because Muse was picked up by the Chargers for their 53 man. They they claimed him off waivers, so he it won't be Muse at least at least yeah. right now. Um, which that's just a little disappointing because we talked about him a lot. I liked him as, as a special mm -hmm. teamer, you know, at least possible rangy cover type guy. But I do expect that like if there's going to be a move, this is where it's going to be, and that's just because again you look at historical trends. It's been a long time since we have you know had only four guys, and it was when we were in a better position than we are now, even though I like the group that we brought in, it's still a better position, you know, than last year, of course, but not quite as strong as it was in 2017. So we'll see if they make a move, but I do think that Holcomb and Roberts and, and Alex, I, I think that 
all three of those guys are going to play a lot of snaps. I think if I had to guess, Roberts and Alexander play a similar amount of snaps overall. Um, but mm-hmm. those three especially, and then Robinson getting you know put in there whenever they need to, need him to be in there, should be a much improved group, like you said. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, you liken him to the guys last year in terms of roles. I mean, I, I think that Holcomb is stepping into that Devin Bush role and and Robert stepping into the Jack role. And then you have the Spillane who the Steelers thought he was a great coverage linebacker they seem for a to couple think so, of years. Yeah, for whatever so, reason. but I, I do, I do think that Quan will play quite a bit in yeah. coverage type situations, yeah, especially those situations. Yeah. He's got some chops there. He's got some quicks. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see. And then Holcomb will probably ultimately be that three down guy that rarely comes off the field. I would so. think, and, and yeah. maybe Steelers start doing more, more dime this year, but we'll see. Uh, that's your group as of now. And I don't see it. it one of these guys isn't going to be removed from the roster. It's just a question of, do they add a fifth there? Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to cornerback here. Shane in this one turned out to be an interesting group because again, Steelers just added Desmond King to that rotation here now. So your cornerbacks for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2023 are Patrick Peterson, Joey Porter, Jr. Uh, Levi Wallace, Desmond King, uh, who else we got here? Shannon Sullivan, Elijah Riley. Did I miss anybody? James Pierre. James Pierre. James yeah. James Pierre, because we don't know what's going on with this guy. Maybe he sticks around. And I, I do think that he was a good story early on. The, the thing is, I've not seen any progression really with him since his, his undrafted rookie year when he came on the squad. In fact, I thought that this might have been his worst preseason of the three that he's had so far. Three or four. I remember, I think this is his third. So, yeah. but it, it it wasn't great. It just uh, it definitely got beat up a little bit. Got picked on these last couple of games uh, in the passing game. You can tell that he just doesn't have those uh, quicks and speed that you need at that position. So, wouldn't be surprised to see him uh, get exchanged maybe for a different boundary cornerback at the bottom of this roster. Yeah, I think a move at corners happening at some point. It's just is it a swap for one cornerback for another? Is it a you know, losing a corner and picking up a linebacker like we just talked about. And honestly, I think as far as like who gets the ax from this corner room, as much as Pierre's been struggling, I'm just going to pick the guy who I think has the least special teams value because realistically we have three slot corners technically right now. Yeah. Do we need three slot corners? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I like Riley, you know, a lot as a special teamer and as a slot corner. So like maybe Sullivan is the odd man out and then maybe they swap Pierre for somebody else. Like whatever it ends up being, I do think it's going to, there's going to be some sort of move there. It's just going to be, who is the, the initial move? Is it a cut? Is it a swap? And then also like what position do they try to add more, to, you know, from that, that swap there. So. Yeah. Cause it is really interesting that they are sitting currently with three slot corners. Really. I mean, yeah, Hurley's primary Des slot can play. Yeah. yeah Des, Des can play outside, but he's going to play the slot for the Steelers. I mean, yeah. he's, th- that's where he projects. So, I mean, you look at it that way. It's like, all right, what do you do now? Like I'm, I'm okay. If they wanted to get rid of a Shannon Sullivan, I thought he mm-hmm. had a, a pretty strong finish to his preseason as well, but I at least I feel more optimistic. Like maybe Elijah Riley can give you a spark because yeah. I've seen a lot of Sullivan on the Vikings the last two years. And obviously we know that that sample wasn't awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it comes down to, are the Steelers going to roll with what they have right now? Or do you keep three slot cornerbacks? Do you swap out Pierre? One move that I really wanted them to, to pull off. Yeah, I saw you the deadline, this. Yeah. And I wrote about it too. It, it was Calvin Joseph. Like I knew that Calvin Joseph was going to be that guy that maybe got the ax for Dallas. And we were talking about a talented player, former former Kentucky guy that was a second round pick, athletic, four three ish speed, size and length, and so that's a guy that I would have 
been and he's been good in special teams as well and carved out a big role yeah. there for Dallas. But I would have traded, I would have swapped Pierre for him. And if I got to throw in a, a late conditional round pick or whatever to appease Dallas, that's fine. Uh they ended up swapping him for Noah from, yeah, for, from no, I'm not gonna even try the, the last game right I think now. Is how you say it. I think it's I, I always butcher it. So it in former first round pick who's just been an absolute bust for Miami. Yeah. So I mean they, they were willing to just take a gamble anyway knowing that Joseph was going to get cut. So I think the Steelers could have pulled something off there. It's again, it's I'm not faulting Con for anything no, or, yeah. or Weidel. Those guys did a great job. Uh, I think with just getting picks out of who they got so far. So if worst case, if, if Pierre sticks around, he's probably rarely sees the field on defense and is just going to be that core special teams player like he has been these past couple of years. Yeah. All right, Shane. Let's talk about the safety position real quick, and we'll, we'll get ready to wrap things up here in the next few minutes. Uh, no surprises at the safety position other than we thought they might, might keep a, a Kenny Robinson and, or a Trey Norwood and, or a, uh, Trenton Thompson, Trent, Trenton Thompson. Yeah. They chose to keep none of the three. I thought they would, I predicted they would keep one of the three. Uh, I didn't think they would get rid of all three of them. And so they again, cut back a little bit right here. You got Minka, Demonte KZ. Uh, Keanu Neal and Miles Killebrew as probably going to be your special teams team captain again this year for the yeah. Steelers. So those four are not surprising. I just had, I had them going with a fifth and they ultimately landed on Trenton Thompson, I think because of what he was able to do. And I have to remember that it was, it was Thompson or Norwood. Norwood had the experience, but I think I went with the hot hand uh, being Thompson who had the, the pretty strong summer here. Uh, they just went with four here. Yeah, and this is what I predicted because I feel like they view Riley as also a fourth safety because he's played that position before. I think that's kind of where that comes into play, where they wanted yeah. a special teamer and Killebrew, but I think they didn't see enough, at least consistency-wise, Robinson he had a hot start to camp, but then it kind of really faltered down the stretch. Thompson mm -hmm. had his moments, but again, you know, player that you, you didn't really know what you're going to get out of him if he had to play defense, and then Norwood was just hurt a lot of camp. Right. And I think that he'll come back on the practice squad if I had to guess at least a couple of those guys, if not all of them, maybe. But this four is who I expected. And then now you have Desmond King, who we talked about again. If you need him to play safety in a pinch, can do that if you want him to. But I think those top three guys are going to get obviously pretty much all the snaps. And then if you need to move somebody back there to help out, you can do that with some of these guys. Yep, that's basically what it's going to be. I think that, I mean, we know that Killebrew at this stage in his career, just a special teams guy. You're not going to yeah. want to see him out there too often. He'd be more uh, and a I linebacker think that, if he had to play the safety at this point. Yeah, for, for sure, I think. Yeah, and yeah. Neil is kind of that way too. But I think yeah. if something were to happen to one of their top three safeties, they're, they're definitely moving a guy or any of the safeties. They're, they're going to move a guy up. Uh, and then you probably get that added depth where you need it. Yeah. Um, I'm fine with that. The four is, is good with me. I didn't think that like Trenton Thompson was so spectacular that so you had, had to, to keep it. him on the roster right. or any, it, it wasn't one of those situations and they've got, uh, it, they've got Minka obviously is going to play every snap and, and yeah. you can kind of rotate the other two guys there as needed. Uh, I still think Casey is going to be better overall than, yes. than Keanu Neal. Agreed. Um, but those two guys have big injury histories too. So it's always a little bit of a gamble. If you decide to go a little bit thin at the safety position, you got to hope that you can get a, a quality player on the practice squad, bring them back up. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. And obviously we, we hope that those guys have good health throughout the season. All right. And last category here, we got special teams. These are the three guys that we thought they would be. Uh, formerly Braden Mann would have made the fourth player. And we wondered why he was kept at the beginning. Uh, and I, I think I put that, it, it, I, we'll get that, that in a second. So we got uh, Chris Boswell. Uh, we got Presley Harvin. 
Uh, Braden Mann, no longer here, was that fourth. And then uh, Christian Kuz, the long snapper. These are the three that we thought we would make the final roster from the beginning. I don't think there was really ever much of a question. I think the biggest one came between, could it could it be Braden Mann, who was a former uh, starting punter in the NFL, or are they sticking with Harvin? They chose to stick with Harvin, which I think both you and I predicted. Yeah, this is what I predicted. And something fun you can do is if you if you want to know if your friends actually watch Steelers games or just talk about the Steelers, uh, ask them whether they think Presley Harvin had a good preseason because a lot of people think that he was terrible because his net average was like mm-hmm. in the 30s. But it's because he was coughing yeah. cornering every all of his punts. Like yes. he wasn't playing bad. He just wasn't getting the chance to boom. Kicks. Box like, score checking is a dangerous it's, game. It's fun, right? It's just ask, just be like, hey, what do you think about Presley Harvin being the <laughs> Oh, he's terrible. You'll you'll know if they watch the games or not. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. that's something you find you can play. But yeah, these are the three that we expected and what and who will be the special teamers barring injury the rest of the year. Yep, yep, that's right. All right, if you are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers and you would like to support the Still Curtain Podcast, please consider subscribing to the Still Curtain Podcast on YouTube. We appreciate all of your support and tell your friends about us too. Yes, all right, Shane, we're going to run through these, th- this last discussion topic real quickly here. Mm-hmm. I know it's kind of a longer show for us today. Uh, we're going to talk about the biggest questions following the aftermath of roster cut down day. So let's start off with who was snubbed. Did you think that anybody, if anybody on the Steelers, who was snubbed this year? I don't want to say snubbed. Cause like I said, there wasn't really a lot of surprises. I would, I think that's who you could, argue is Muse and Gentry just because Muse yeah. the fifth linebacker typically expect him to keep one. So him not only getting cut, but then picked up immediately by the chargers is interesting. And then Gentry, just the guy that, like you said, he, he doesn't mm-hmm. know it's fun. He would, you know, Steelers fans like him in general. There's nothing wrong with the guys. So you can say he was snubbed a little bit, but again, you have a lot of guys on this team this year, a lot more depth across the roster and it was just going to be harder to, to stick around. So. Yeah, there wasn't anything flagrant like, why did the Steelers just do that type of move? So, But I have the same two as you as well. And because I think that they are at least solid players in their respective roles. They're rosterable players for sure. Yeah, I think Gentry for sure is a rosterable player. He should be able to land back on his feet somewhere (laughs) else, I would think. Kind of of in that Jesse James mold, a different player, but in that level where it's like, you're good enough to to land somewhere else again. Uh, So hope that he does there. Um, and then Tanner Muse, like we knew that uh, based on the addition Steelers already had, Muse was not going to be a starter. He wasn't even going to have a big role on defense. But I thought, I mean, historically speaking, the Steelers keep that fifth guy for special teams. I thought more or less he would be that new Marcus Allen, that guy that plays a ton of special team snaps. He was pretty good there for Seattle last year. Um, and he's just an athletic guy that can run. And I just don't know if maybe he didn't fit like the, the mold that Tomlin was looking for at the linebacker position in terms of toughness. Like there's been questions in the past about his toughness. So maybe that's had something to do with it. Uh, but if, if they were snubs, I don't know if I'd call them snubs maybe, but those would be the two guys. Uh, let's talk about um, who should have been cut. There's anybody on the roster that made it this year who should have been cut instead. I think deserved to be cut. Right. I think that you can, the two you can argue for sure is James Pierre one, just because again, you know, he's not like a spectacular Agreed. special teamer necessarily. He's good at special teams, but he has just really struggled in the preseason in general. Just has kind of been a liability in coverage past, like we said, 10, 15 yards. It gets pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And then you also could argue realistically that uh, Gunnar Olszewski, because of the fact that you know he's not really going to be the, the the player that we expected him to be when we signed him. He's not going to be the kick and punt returner. He's not going to be the special teams ace necessarily. We have other guys who are better at those things than him. Like, 
his role is just kind of up in the air. Like if he's just going to be strictly just like a true backup at a couple spots and that's valuable to a certain degree. But I think that if they had someone else who could really challenge him, it'd be different, but the receiving group didn't really inspire a lot of confidence past the top six. So there's that. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, James Pierre is the easy one here. I just yeah. don't think he had a very good summer at all. Yeah. Uh, and so he might not be, we'll, we'll see what happens here in the, in the coming week uh, or so after that, if he, if he makes it even, even to start the season, his spot is he's, he's low enough that his spot is not going to be secure for sure. Right. So James Pierre was the easy one there. Then you can even look at a guy like Dylan cook, maybe a guy that yeah. had a pretty strong camp, but we've seen kind of that stuff from players before that they haven't kept, like they just roll with like three offensive tackles and, uh, it, or they go out and, and, and sign a different offensive lineman, the, mm-hmm. the John LeGlue or whatever. And so uh, I didn't necessarily think that he was a guy who needed to make this roster, but good for him that he did. Yeah. And I hope that he can just continue to develop and, and be kind of just another piece for them there. Um, all right. Why did they keep two punters, Shane? The question was floating out there and it was a, it was a, a worthwhile question. And I, like other people thought that the reason why, was potentially maybe another trade was coming. Uh, we, we thought that, yes, man has starting experience in the past. He was pretty good the previous year. The Steelers had two uh, somewhat quality punters, whereas other teams are like shuffling and scrambling around. <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe the Steelers, maybe we're, maybe based on what we've seen and already being able to get draft capital for Kendrick Green, maybe you can go and swap man for a conditional seventh round pick or something that way. It turned out that uh, they just got to keep somebody else somewhere. Why not man? And, and he was, he was ultimately uh, the guy that they would swap off the roster um, for Desmond King. So that is put to rest now. Uh, and which positions Shane, would you still look to upgrade for the Steelers? Uh, if you were the GM right now, I think, you look at boundary corners still because again, Pierre's a guy that very easily could have been cut. And I think eventually it probably will be in some, whether it's a swap, like we talked about before, or just yeah. a straight cut and you add somewhere else. I think linebacker backup linebacker again, because again, you really only have Robinson as the primary backup, like past the top three guys who are expected to play a lot of snaps. So you, you wonder if you do want to add a fifth linebacker at some point, like they typically do. Um, maybe backup running back again if they don't want McFarland to be the guy long term at the third running back spot. Which and I think he played well enough to justify it offensively. It's just again, is kicker turning enough to keep your roster spot if you're not getting a lot of carries mm-hmm. on offense? So those would be the, the ones I'd, I'd look at the most, uh, just because everywhere else it feels like they're pretty happy with the depth at the very least. Or to upgrade it, you'd have to like actually go and get a player who isn't just going to be readily available. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see if they want to make any moves past that, but that would be the, the two spots I look at the most. Yeah. Certainly prior to the Des King move, it would have been slot cornerback, right? Oh, like yeah, there was slot. now that they are not, him. you're not real comfortable with Shannon Sullivan and Elijah Riley there. So <laughs> that's kind of been shored up. Uh, I would say backup center, Shane, like a true yeah. backup center type. Like if you're That's not true. super yeah. comfortable with your game plan, if one of those guys were to go down, like if is it is it Nate Herbig? You don't you're probably not swapping things around. So if they can get like a true backup center type uh, to essentially fill that role, and then unfortunately, I mean, you can't roll with with ten offensive linemen. No, so Cook probably goes cool back to move. Yeah, the, I, I and I think that would probably be Cook going back to the practice squad at that point, if I had to guess. Right. Uh, but I think that's something they could explore for sure is a true backup center, unless they do feel comfortable with with Herbig uh, in that role or a shuffle of the offensive line. So yeah. I feel that like would be would, and then yeah, good. Yeah, you're you're good. Uh, go ahead. I was say I feel like the only that would happen, especially if 
Mason Cole goes down and they try their different combinations and it doesn't really work right, yeah. that would be when I'd say, okay, maybe they're going to look at the market and see if, if there's somebody that they can bring in to play center. But yeah. Yep. And then I agree with you. The only other one that I was going to point out was boundary cornerback. James Pierre just not really fitting the mold with what they need there in a pinch, at least probably serviceable enough still as a special teams player. Uh, but I think that there's were some opportunities there. I think that he's one of those guys. It's like, man, if Corey Trice had not gotten injured, yeah. he would have been out of a job. Yeah, so, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm pretty sure he, he's the like biggest him. beneficiary of that. I would have to think. Um, other than that, I think the roster's shaping up to be pretty good here, Shane. As we uh, start looking forward to Week One, now we got the San Francisco 49ers. Mm -hmm. uh, not this Sunday, but the Sunday afterwards. And so we're going to be pumped to bring you that game coverage. Make sure you're following us at Still Curtain. Thank you for joining us on the show today. You can follow Shane on Twitter at Shane Kubis. You can follow me on Twitter at Tommy Jagai. You can download the Still Curtain po podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also check us out on YouTube or ask Alexa to play the Still Curtain podcast. And thanks for listening to the Still Curtain podcast. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.